This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Parts of BC are getting some much needed relief in the wildfire fight thanks to this wetter weather. But the rain includes severe thunderstorms and lightning, which is likely responsible for sparking several new fires. Kylie Stanton reports. It's not easy to capture. Even harder when the opportunities are few and far between. The lightning started striking around the house and I knew I had to go photograph it. Zachary Dollar's camera managed to catch one of the more than 2,600 lightning strikes recorded in the Coastal Fire Centre in a 24-hour period. Definitely one of the most spectacular things I think you can watch from nature. My deck took the worst end of it. But of course, it's all a matter of perspective. We thought it was an earthquake at first. We heard the, the windows rattling. We both woke up. Vladimir Vukovic looked outside to find this tree struck by lightning on top of his Coquitlam home, causing significant damage on the outside and sparking an electrical fire in the attic. All in all, I'm just fortunate that my family, my son and my wife, we're all okay. Um, this is life, things like this happen. Still, the timing couldn't be worse. The severe thunderstorm that passed through the coastal areas of BC on Monday comes as crews continue to battle the worst wildfire season on record. And while the system brought some much needed rain, the lightning that also came with it sparked fires from here in Pemberton all the way up and down Vancouver Island. With little or no rain as well, and with already dry conditions in, a, in place, that just makes a recipe for a possible, possibility of new fire starts. There are 18 in total, 16 of them classified as out of control. The majority of these fires are considered to be backcountry fires. They are not threatening values and are burning in extreme terrain. According to the BC Wildfire Service, when lightning strikes an object, it can release enough heat to ignite a tree or other fuels. It warns while rain is in the forecast, so too are more thunderstorms. And we're nowhere near out of the woods just yet. So this drought condition will persist until we see a significant amount of rainfall over a longer duration of time. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with more on the stormy weather and which regions we're watching. Yvonne? Sophie, this evening, all areas across the lower mainland will still see the potential and the risk of thunderstorms. We're watching lightning that extends in towards the Fraser Valley with some heavier pockets of rain and right in towards the interior as well. We also are seeing the potential for the severe thunderstorms popping up near the lakes as well as the South Thompson and that should start to ease off. However, a special weather statement has been issued. Now areas near the Kootenays have the potential for a significant amount of rain. Heavy rain and thunderstorms. We could see localized flooding. 30 and up to 50 millimeters is possible. This will start to ease as we get in towards the afternoon. We still have the potential for some lightning for a few other spots and towards the interior. I'll have that coming up very shortly. So, all right. Thanks, Yvonne. Mixed blessings on the wildfire front for residents of West Kelowna. Because of increased winds, evacuation alerts have been expanded 
to include all of the Glen Rosa and West Bank neighborhoods and more of the West Bank First Nation. The good news, though, is residents of one of the hardest hit areas got the green light to return home. It's amazing. I mean, it was a long time. It felt for years almost. I'm so happy that I could get home. But even that return is bittersweet. While some are fortunate enough to see their houses still standing, others aren't as lucky. The damage left behind by the wildfires will be felt for years to come. It feels great. And uh, yeah, thanks, really thanks for, for the firefighter and first responder with their efforts to keep our home safe. It's heartbreaking. Even uh, good friends of mine, clients who uh, have bought only three, four years ago, did a huge renovation, finished two weeks ago, and then it uh, burned down to the ground. It's, it's, it's devastating. The regional district is asking returning residents to stay off of neighboring properties and respect those who are returning to lost or damaged homes. Wind and a little rain are expected for crews fighting the huge Bush Creek East fire in the Shoe Swap. The forecast of gusty winds is putting wildfire crews, structural protection units and community members now working for the wildfire service on high alert. While some rain is expected to fall across the region in the coming hours, firefighters aren't counting on it at all to help them get control of the fire. There is still very much an active fire in the region and residents should remain on alert and be prepared to leave the area immediately. Uh, for us, it's a day of consolidation. And what that means is that we do, um, you know, bring our crews into areas that are closer to the high value communities, working on lines that are well anchored in and allow for safe egress out of these areas if fire behavior was to pick up significantly and also allows us to be closest to the values that we're uh, most uh, apt to protect those being uh, life and property of British Columbians and, of course, the life of our first responders. The Bush Creek East fire remains out of control and covers more than 430 square kilometers. Just a few hours after a stretch of Highway 1 in the interior was reopened after nearly two weeks, the Transportation Ministry is advising it will be closed again overnight. The Trans-Canada has been closed between Boston Bar and Lytton due to the Kukupi Creek wildfire. The Transportation Ministry says contractors have completed the removal of dangerous trees and loose rocks from the bluffs above the highway, but it warns drivers will continue to experience long delays, including single lane alternating traffic and other possible lane closures for repairs. In fact, it's now saying the route will be closed between 8.30 tonight and 6 a.m. tomorrow morning because of the risk of debris flows caused by heavy rain. Monday's huge rock slide that completely closed Highway 97 near Summerland is still blocking the road tonight. And some residents of nearby North Beach Road are concerned about the stability of the area. Homeowners say the slide could have been a major tragedy considering that it came down at 2 in the afternoon, which is traditionally a busy time. They say it's a miracle no one was injured or killed. And they say the repeated closures of the highway are unacceptable. Is it frustrating the amount of times that this road closes, uh, you know, for because sure, of... For all the people in, in Summerland and down south, it's a, it's a nightmare. My son is, lives in Summerland, so he's kind of stuck living with us. And then another person is in Summerland, stuck in Summerland, can't get back out here. Um, we can't get to work because we work in Summerland. As of Tuesday afternoon, Drive BC says the road will remain closed pending a geotechnical assessment.
The free flow of goods is crucial to a healthy economy, but B.C. truckers say it's becoming too difficult to get in and out of B.C. ports efficiently. The port strike made a challenging situation even worse. And as Travis Prasad shows us, critics say major changes are necessary to get goods flowing again. The containers are piling up. What's happening is unprecedented. As the gateway to the Pacific, Vancouver's ports play a key role in the global supply chain, but container transporters say disruptions at Delta Port are an example of why the ports rank so poorly. A 2023 report from the World Bank Group ranks Vancouver as the second least efficient ports on the planet, only ahead of Savannah, Georgia. What we are seeing in the last couple of weeks is actual day shift gates and night shift gates being closed. Um, so, you know, we've been getting lots of complaints from a lot of our members, frustrated, obviously. Tom Johnson says the operator, GCT Global Container Terminals, cancelled gates for two straight days last week. Something GCT says it will do when there's insufficient interest from transporters. Transport trucks were barred from picking up containers at the port and delivering them to customers. There is a demand for those containers. People need their goods. There's a certain level of bare minimum service that that terminal needs to offer in order to run the Canadian ports. GCT blames last week's cancellations on the recent port workers strike, saying delayed cargo ships did not return. Last week, Delta Port had zero vessels at berth. As a result, there was no purpose to hold the gates open and we have to control our cost with such a significant volume drop. What we're seeing this week uh, is the result uh, when we have disruptions. The BC Trucking Association says it remains to be seen whether foreign shipments diverted to U.S. ports during the strike will ever return to BC. We get very concerned when there's labor disruptions, when there's increases to costs, uh, when there's different taxation principles. All of these things contribute to the competitiveness or lack thereof of the port, and we keep a very, very close eye on that. Meanwhile, every delay costs money. Every single cost that is incurred by any business is passed on to the customer. Travis Prasad, Global News. Well, thousands of Drake fans are anxiously awaiting tonight's concert kickoff at Rogers Arena. They're hoping tonight won't be a repeat of the last-minute cancellation last night. Global's Kamal Kuramali is live at the arena and... At this point, we have no reason to believe the show won't go on, but it still seems tenuous here. That's right. Uh, it, there is a feeling, uh, an unsettled feeling here among fans as Canuck Sports and Entertainment has said at this point they still have nothing to share, which is quite unsettling for these fans, especially since last night's postponement announcement happened after 6 o'clock when thousands had al already arrived and thousands are here right now at this hour with a dark cloud hanging above them, hoping the show goes on. Unfortunately. The news came as a shock. You and your wristbands will be honored on Wednesday. <laughs> to the thousands of Drake fans who had lined up for hours Monday, the concert postponed to Wednesday. God's plan. God's plan. The hip-hop megastars concert just not part of the plan. Canucks Sports and Entertainment saying there were unforeseen circumstances with the newly installed video board. We're pissed. We're fired up. The news devastating fans Monday night. What are we supposed to do? I have my days booked off work. Now I have to somehow book another day off? 
some who had waited outside since the night before to try and snag the best views. I'm leaving tomorrow. I came here for one day today. And others from out of town, like Olivia, who had flown in for just the day to see the megastar. My flight's tomorrow. I come back to Calgary tomorrow. It's not fair to the people who pay to go here, and you can't even bother to check your technical issues. She came from Edmonton, so now she's going to have to go back tomorrow. Yep. So we're, we're going to have to sell it or... Drake spotted around Vancouver Sunday night, enjoying some of the city's hot spots, seemingly ready to go for the double performance. Tuesday, nervous fans began their wait in line. I think it was worse today. Like, people were really aggressive today. Like, they were, like, pushing. Some arriving the night before, hoping they would have a better outcome. I freak out because my plane leaves tomorrow. So if they move the, the show from today, that's it. Hoping they won't be sent home without a show. Now, WorkSafe BC uh, has uh, responded to Global News' request, and they've said that they have been in contact with Rogers Arena, adding that uh, they have confirmed there is no incident of structural failure at the venue. So another positive sign for tonight, Chris and Sophie. As you can see, thousands of fans streaming in uh, to wait in line as the concert is set to begin at 8 o'clock. Back over to you. Uh, let's hope it goes ahead. Thanks very much, Kamal. Mm -hmm. Controversy is heating up over air conditioning units sitting idle. Waited for a month to get installed. With some of the hottest days of the year behind us, residents in support of housing wonder why this stash of cooling units wasn't used. That's next on the News Hour. I bought instruments in pawn shops. I've picked up saxophones at Value Village. A BC sculptor breathing new life into wind instruments later on the news hour. Plus, the passing of Canada's oldest Second World War veteran and celebrating a life well lived. Still to come. Right now, though, questions are being raised tonight after dozens of uninstalled, brand new air conditioning units were discovered in a downtown Vancouver SRO hotel. As Krista Dow reports, the units sat there through much of the summer's hottest weather. It is an abrupt end to what has been a sweltering hot and dry stretch of summer weather. One that's been especially hard on residents of this 110-year-old Hotel Canada supportive housing. Oh, it was hot. <laughs> Excuse my language. It gets really, really, really hot. With some finding creative solutions to ventilate their rooms. Our windows don't really open so much, they crack, because they have a board on it, because someone threw a microwave out the window. And in a somewhat ironic twist, with the heat now gone, some residents here are finally getting air conditioners. We waited for a month to get installed. The late reprieve coming as dozens of brand new AC units sit idle in the hotel's basement. No, it's not cool. It should be all installed. It should be done now. BC Housing, which owns the building, says it bought 150 portable AC units because of airflow issues. The units arrived late July, early August, but to date, only 60 units have been installed. 
We asked Atira, the company that manages the building, why the delay. That's a good question what the delay is, and I think that that's BC Housing and their maintenance contractor are making best efforts to get those in. You know, that's not in a Terra building. In a statement, BC Housing says prior to installation, each unit requires some electrical modifications so the room's power capacity won't be impacted and to ensure tenant safety. One AC installation contractor who did not want to appear on camera told us the problem has to do with getting safe access. And once inside, there have been hazards preventing them from doing the work. Nothing to it to install it, I would say, so just, I can install it myself, really, if they give it to me. BC Housing says installation will be complete by mid-September, a timeline that has many residents here feeling like they're not a priority. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. We get the bottom end of the barrel, right? Krista Dow, Global News. Well, after a slow start, BC Hydro says the BC government's free air conditioning program for vulnerable people is picking up steam. So far, more than 1,300 AC units have been installed. That's up about 250% from a few weeks ago. Hydro says after increasing the number of contractors installing the units, it's distributing between 50 and 100 units per day and on pace to hit the target of up to 1,000 units installed per month. The newest COVID variant has now been detected in BC. That's the first confirmed case in Canada. Keith Baldry joins us with more on what we are learning about BA286. And Keith, the, it's likely this one's already been around here for a while, mm. but now we have a first confirmed case. Yeah, also dubbed the Parola variant and likely to be named Pi when we get through this whole thing. You know, for the longest time, you and I were on here and Chris talking about COVID every night. It's been a year since we did that. The fact that we're talking about it tonight shows where infectious disease experts are at with this new variant. There's a little concern about this. They don't know a lot about it, uh, but it's different than other variants. Variants happen all the time, but this one has unique characteristics, and it prompted an unusual, and we haven't seen this for a while, a joint statement from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix today, released this afternoon, saying, again, it was not unexpected for BA286 to show up in Canada and the province. The risk to people in BC has not changed. COVID-19 continues to spread globally, and the virus continues to adapt. But I noticed you go on Google, there's a lot of attention being paid to this. We caught up with Dr. Isaac Bogosh, an infectious disease expert at the University of Toronto. He says the big difference here, where we were with other variants, is vaccination. So many people are, have been vaccinated, but the key here is to get your booster shots in the fall. Here's the doctor. These vaccines continue to reduce the risk of severe manifestations of the virus, such as hospitalization and death. Earlier on in the pandemic, they reduced the risk of infection rather well. They don't do that to nearly the same extent as they did, but they still stand up strong to hospitalization and death reduction. So that's why it's especially important this fall when the, we see these vaccines rolling out that people, especially those at greatest risk for severe infections, get their booster vaccine if they're eligible. So no reason to hit any panic buttons here, set off any alarm bells, but it is worth noting that they're sitting up, experts are sitting up and taking notices. And by the way, tomorrow, if you want to learn more about this, Dr. Bonnie Henry will be sitting in this chair tomorrow morning on the morning news. She'll be interviewed at 7.40, likely talking about this and the need for vaccines and booster shots in the fall and other vaccinations as well as we head into the uh, respiratory illness season as soon as the summer ends. Again, that's tomorrow morning, the Global News, 7.40. I'm tuning in. Absolutely. Thank you, Keith. Just ahead, millions of dollars walking right out the door. Local businesses like London Drugs rack up the losses from rampant shoplifting 
wondering what it'll take to stop it. Plus, my name's Wyatt Scott, and I'm running for Parliament. The one-time wacky candidate now charged with serious crimes. Next. There's a stall northbound at the north end of the Burrard Street Bridge that has traffic gridlocked in both directions. Head over to the Granville Street Bridge if you're just leaving now. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $33 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. A former independent federal candidate for a Fraser Valley riding known for his wacky campaign videos is facing a long list of criminal charges. Hey, I'm Wyatt Scott, and I'm running for Parliament for the new riding of Mission Matsqui, Fraser Canyon. Wyatt Scott got some international attention in 2015 for posting videos like this. He finished fifth out of six candidates. On Thursday, he'll have the full attention of a judge when he appears on 12 charges, including sexual assault, unlawful confinement, firearm-related offenses, and trafficking a person under the age of 18. The charges relate to two separate incidents earlier this year. Homicide investigators are probing a man's shooting death yesterday afternoon in Mission that has all the hallmarks of a gang hit. Police say a 45-year-old man was shot around 5 p.m. in the 32700 block of Lamanman Avenue. He was rushed to hospital but died of his injuries early this morning. A short time after the shooting, a burned-out minivan was found in the area of Doyle Street and Richards Avenue. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is leading the investigation with the support of officers who specialize in gang tactics. After reporting on the shoplifting crackdown Project Barcode and how few suspects were ever charged or convicted, an update now on the costs of that crime to businesses. As Kristen Robinson reports, one of BC's best-known retailers is detailing how widespread and expensive the problem has become. Eight guards and loss prevention officers are on shift at this busy London drugs. The pharmacy chain says retail violence increased by 500% over four years. It's now spending $1.5 million more on security at its Vancouver stores than it did two years ago. We're seeing a lot of random sort of violence or threats that take place. A lot of vile behavior, racism, abuse of customers and staff around the people who are doing these crimes. London Drugs, one of 28 retailers which participated in a VPD shoplifting crackdown in February and March. Of the 278 charges recommended to Crown, more than half or 56 percent were not approved. It's really unfortunate when so much work goes into providing solid cases and so many of them end up not being acted upon once it gets to the courts. 47 repeat offenders were among the 217 arrested, say police. Tony Hunt believes people should be able to come to work without fearing random violence. It's terribly frustrating. It's not right. Our customers and our employees deserve a system of justice that is going to be able to make sure that when somebody's stuck in a loop of crime and it's hurting those innocent people, that somebody's going to do something about this. BC Attorney General Nikki Sharma declined an interview Tuesday. Her staff telling us the AG operates at arm's length from the courts and in making prosecutorial decisions, the BC Prosecution Service acts independently of police and government. I think that if the Attorney General had to put up with somebody coming into their office every day and taking things off their desk, 
and terrorizing their employees, even if it was a small amount, the fact that this would be happening in that office would cause them to act, and it's happening in ours. We really need leadership to make sure people are safe. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Just ahead, solving the mystery of child allergies. This gives us the potential to reduce all of them. The BC breakthrough that could change the game in treatment and how researchers found it. Plus, startling trends in the toxic drug crisis with a new record number of deaths since January. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Steady both ways across the Portman Bridge tonight. Just watch out on Highway 1 in Langley, where there's still plenty of leftover volume after clearing a major collision westbound at 248th Street. Select Sussex Insurance and make a difference. When you renew your auto plan online, select your neighborhood Sussex Insurance location when prompted and help support Diabetes Canada exclusively at Sussex Insurance. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre. Nearly 200 British Columbians died last month because of toxic drugs, with the province on pace for the deadliest year yet. As Catherine Urquhart reports, one-third of those deaths happened in social or supportive housing, including SROs. My experiences with schizophrenia. 28-year-old Joshua Sostmeyer died from toxic drugs on July 22nd, devastating his father, who says his son was self-medicating to deal with schizophrenia. What a waste. That's my boy. And now he's uh, no longer here. New numbers released by BC's chief coroner show Joshua was one of 198 individuals who died from toxic drugs in July, down 5% compared to last July, but up 4% compared to June of this year. The reality is, is we're still seeing more than six people a day succumbing to drug toxicity in British Columbia. Um, which is no improvement at all, really, when it comes down to dealing with this public health emergency. Joshua died at Cliff Block, where he was hoping to get help for his addiction. The 16-room facility is run by the Lookout Society. Joshua's body wasn't found for several days. They shouldn't have left him alone, especially in a room that was full of drug stuff. The coroner's report points out 33% of the toxic drug deaths in 2023 occurred in social and supportive housing, SROs, shelters and hotels. BC United's critic for mental health and addictions says it's disturbing. The reality is we're simply seeing people warehoused. And I think that the results that we're seeing in this coroner's report of a third of people dying within these situations where they ought to have been receiving some form of care really speaks to the fact that these services just, they really aren't being provided by this government. BC's Minister for Addictions commented in part, our approach includes expanding treatment options with additional substance use beds, increased access to medication-assisted treatment, and community counselling services throughout BC. With an average 6.4 deaths every day from toxic drugs, critics say much more needs to be done. Or there will surely be many more Joshuas in the days ahead.
Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, if you have a child with asthma, eczema, hay fever, or peanut allergies, a scientific breakthrough gives new hope for better treatment. Vancouver research suggests the cause of those allergies might actually lie in the bacteria that lives inside all of us. Janet Brown shows us how. Was I look about like 10 years old. 14-year-old Max Dukas has been part of a study on childhood allergies since he was born. It was pretty cool. I learned about like allergies. His mom says while Max doesn't have any allergies, being part of the study allows him to help others. Any way that we could help just explore what actually creates allergic reactions and how maybe we can prevent it going in the future. That was really important to us. For the last nearly 15 years, researchers here at BC Children's Hospital Research Institute have been studying childhood allergies. The studies involve 3,500 families from Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg and Toronto volunteering their children for the research. They have discovered all allergies may share a common theme, certain missing bacteria in the gut. We worry about the polar bears or the panda bears but we don't often worry about the bacteria in our gut. He says changed lifestyle over the years may be the reason for an increase in allergies among the general population. Over generations, we've started to lose some of these important health-promoting bacteria. And they've been lost in our society through the use of antibiotics and through, through less exposures. This is the magic of dirty diapers. Now we can go back in time and see what bacteria were in the baby's poop when they were tiny babies and compare that to their health outcomes now when they're 5 and 10 and beyond. The findings may lead to new methods of predicting if a youngster will develop allergies or even preventing them from developing at all. Instead of trying to prevent asthma or eczema or food allergies or hay fever individually, this gives us the potential to reduce all of them. One in three Canadians has some sort of allergy, which often starts in childhood. Janet Brown, Global News. Still ahead, the passing of a legend. He loved to joke. At times, we weren't sure what was real. World War II veteran Reuben Sinclair lived a colorful life, remembered today by those who knew him best. Also, how the ideas seem to just flow for this BC artist, making one-of-a-kind water features out of old instruments later. Well, the air quality advisory has ended for Metro Vancouver. Probably not a huge surprise. The advisory was issued Friday because of wildfire smoke blowing in from the interior. Over the weekend, a smog advisory was added to the mix, but cooler temperatures and some rain overnight and through the day led to cleaner air, meaning officials are able to cancel the warning. And that was done late this morning. Just need clearer skies. Yeah, that smoke was something. Mm -hmm. Can't even imagine what it was like in the wildfire zones. No. Let's bring in Yvonne Shell now with a closer look at our weather. That's quite a shot behind you. Yeah, it was a light show uh, overnight. Some people maybe woke up to the lightning and the thunderstorms that were rolling across the region. A couple of photos to share and then we still do have some active weather even for us across the lower mainland this evening. A great shot. This one captured in Chilliwack. So thank you so much, Renee. And the next shot, this one from Gabriola Island near Silva Bay was captured by Keith. So thank you so much. Here's what we're seeing though. We're not under the clear 
earlier just yet, we still have the potential. There's lots of instability with the slow that's just tracking its way towards us. We could still see the potential and the risk of lightning and thunderstorms. We're seeing heavier rain in a wave right now, just extending in towards the Fraser Valley. Now the Fraser Canyon also seeing that the South Thompson, we've got a severe thunderstorm watch that could become severe with very gusty winds, intense downpours and the potential for hail across the region. Now, as we look ahead towards tomorrow, the big weather story, though, will be for the southern half areas near the Kootenai. There is that wave of moisture. We're looking for the areas that are in yellow. That's where we could see the thunderstorms moving right across the region. It'll ease off as we get in towards the afternoon. So all areas that are in green, that's we've got the special weather statement. 30 and up to 50 millimeters is possible. That extends in towards the Kootenai. And the big concern will also be the potential for some localized flooding before it does start to ease off by the afternoon. Half of the province will bump up to seven, eight, 17 rather inland for Smithers up to 21. We still do have some widespread smoke for the northeastern corners of the province. The area of concern tomorrow for the Colombian Kootenai where we could see some lightning still warming up for Kamloops up to 29 degrees. We'll start to see some breaks for most areas along the south coast. I've left in a chance for some showers though. That's extending into the Fraser Valley for tomorrow. Brief break, showers on Thursday and then a look ahead for the long weekend so far on Friday. 23 but the start of the long weekend on Saturday. Saturday, we're up to 22 with a mix of sun and cloud. All right, tonight's weather window, another great shot. This one captured by Jonathan and Royston of the thunderstorm rolling through that region there. Guys. All right, thanks, Yvonne. Spectacular. All right, a BC man considered to be Canada's oldest living veteran has died. Ruben Sinclair was between 111 and 112 years old. Even his family isn't quite sure. And Mr. Sinclair's funeral was held today in New Westminster. As Aaron MacArthur reports, his sacrifice and service to this country will never be forgotten. A simple casket for an extraordinary man. Ruben Sinclair passed away this weekend, believed to be Canada's oldest World War II veteran. Dad was a man of character, a man of honour. He was laid to rest Tuesday, remembered as a loving husband, father and friend. With pride, we honour and thank you, Dad, for your constant love. You will always be in our hearts and always with us. It gives us comfort to know that you are now with mom, the love of your life. Sinclair was born in 1911 in Lipton, Saskatchewan. By the time he joined the Royal Canadian Air Force in 1942, he was already 31. He served as a trainer, teaching bomber pilots to land in the dark on blacked out runways. And while he loved his family, he maintained his greatest achievement was serving his country. Many times I've told the story how he walked away from his government treasury job with a lifelong pension where he would have been set up because um, he was compelled to join the war. Um, he could not, he said back, I could not sit back and watch what was happening in Europe from afar. I had to do something about it. In his last years, Sinclair became something of a celebrity. Kids at the Talmud Torah school came to view him as their symbol of Remembrance Day. He attended their services at school. And according to his family, he loved the attention, but never once considered his service as anything other than the right thing to do. And uh, I think it's my duty. We say a special prayer. Buried in New Westminster, he leaves behind an enormous family that stretches five generations. His life, his service, never to be forgotten. Aaron MacArthur.
Global News. Thank you very much, Mr. Sinclair, for all you gave. All right, let's bring in Squire Barnes now with a look ahead to sports. Hello, Squire. Hello to both of you and to you at home or wherever you might be watching. <laughs> the Vancouver Whitecaps' best player is Ryan Gold, and he has been leading by example, especially lately, nine goals in his last ten games. Um, yeah, I've never really been one to care about the stats and who scores and who sets them up as long as... Uh, as long as the team's winning, that's what keeps us all going. Well, that might be true, but without Gall, this team wouldn't be winning as much. Also tonight, the unique material that's instrumental to this BC sculptor's art coming up later. I'm talking about three people when I say good things come in small packages. Squire, <laughs> Sophie, and the guy Squire's going to talk about. I'm sure there's some others. Well, Yvonne, yeah. too. Yeah, Yvonne, too, really. See, Yvonne. Just not in the... There you go. Not in the... Marcia, Marcia too. our producer. Pretty much everybody who's and not my size. And a lot of other size. people as well. That's awesome. All right. Well, I have no more time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Um, I know in this town, the Vancouver Canucks players will always be the biggest stars and the best known. But the Whitecaps' Ryan Gold should be known to even the most peripheral sports fan because he's been one of the best players in Major League Soccer this summer and he's been playing at a high level with a hamstring that doesn't really like to be attached to a pro soccer player. Fanny Sartini always speaks of team first, but without Gold, I'm not sure this team would be sitting in a playoff spot right now. He's listed as five foot seven, 150 pounds, yet he's the player that every Whitecap looks up to. I mean, I can easily say he's one of the best players I, I play with. See, every day he's my favorite player. It's great having him out there. The quality, MVP level, you know, I think he's one of the best that we have in the league. Ryan Gold was involved in all three Whitecaps goals in Portland on Saturday. A two-goal, one-assist performance that earned him his seventh team of the match day selection this season. I've never really been one to care about the stats and who scores and who sets them up as long as uh, as long as the team's winning that's what keeps us all going with players that understand perfectly the the principle of the team it's natural for them to be in their um, the right position at the right moment and that was evident on the first goal against the timbers it's actually happened quite a lot in training that I, I like to come for the cutback and a lot of the time it's uh, taking up shop fee space and I seen that he was making the run in, so I just thought I had to try and you know get to the back post, and um, thankfully it kind of took a little nick off Brian and made its way to me. Gold now has nine goals and seven assists. He leads the team with 16 goal contributions. Hard to believe he only had one assist through the first 11 games of the season, but as he said before, he isn't motivated by statistics, and that is what makes the designated player a great leader. You know, not many DPs work as hard as he does offensively and defensively. I think it, a lot of guys feed off of it. You know, you see him running after uh, pressing, running in behind. It makes you want to, you know, contribute to the team just as much. So I think it really does drive everyone to be better. And you can see his uh, importance in the locker room. And, you know, he's a top player. You know, he's got many goals and assists this year. And we just hope that it continues for us. When it comes to national recognition, the numbers do matter. And with nine goals in his last 10 games, Gold's name is starting to come up in conversations for league MVP. It's the first I've heard of anything, but uh, you know the last, yeah, the fair enough. The last, the last couple of months of uh, they've been better. It took me, you know, a long time to get going, and finally I got going, and um, you know, hopefully it stays that way till the end of the season. Well, John Herdman is now head coach of Toronto FC, no longer Canada's national team's head coach. 
There were stories after he quit the Canadian job yesterday that some of the players might not have been happy with him. But Sam Adekube of the Whitecaps, who has played many games under Herdman with Canada's national squad, says he himself is a better player because of Herdman and Canada is a better soccer nation because of, because of him as well. I think at times we played some of the best football in the, in, the, in the region and we went to Azteca, we got points, we went to Nashville, we got points, we beat the U.S., we beat Mexico and these are things that haven't been done for a long time in the, in the program and of course on top of that we went to the World Cup so I think we wouldn't be able to get there without his tactical ability and or, or his competitive nature or his mindset. World Cup basketball, and that's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and this is Kamloops' Kelly Olenek. He might be a big man, but he can play all over the court. His father, Ken, who was a great coach, taught him. Not just play underneath the basket, learn how to shoot the three, and he can. And that's uh, Gilgis-Alexander right there, who had 27 points against Latvia. Olenek had 15. Got to show you one of his dunks. There you go. So Canada is 3-0 and at this tournament. They've won their first three games by an average of 37 points. We're doing well so far. However, at the U.S. Open, Canadians have not done well on the single side. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino had a decent match today against Patricia Teague, but she lost in straight sets 7-6, 7-6. And also losing today, Layla Fernandez. So that means there are no Canadians left in singles at the U.S. Open. That hasn't happened in a while. Just been a bad year for us. The Western Lacrosse season ends the right way tonight. Game seven in the championship series with that game being played at the legendary Queens Park Arena, 7.30 U.S. Minster against Langley. Langley had a chance to win this thing at home but lost game six. The winner of tonight's game will rep the Western Lacrosse Association and be the host in the Man Cup against Six Nations from Ontario. And there you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Up next, music for the ears and the eyes. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan? Chris, good news from Rogers Arena for a change. We're told the Drake concert tonight is going ahead. Also tonight, the downtown Eastside market is moving indoors, at least temporarily. The open-air market on East Hastings Street is leaving its current location due to redevelopment. The market is controversial. Supporters say it's a critical source of income for the city's most vulnerable. Critics maintain it functions as a hub for stolen goods. We'll tell you where the new location is at 11. Plus, why it's back to the drawing board for a new aquatic center in Burnaby. Chris. All right, thanks very much, Jordan. Well, sculptures are usually something you'd expect to appreciate with the eye. But a Vancouver Island man's pieces were once music to the ears. That's right, Jay Durant has more on the unique works of art and the material that's instrumental to their creation. It's another busy day in the backyard studio. Assembling intricate pieces into a bigger puzzle. That sometimes means dipping into the saxophone stash or maybe adding a trumpet and trombone. You just sit and make stuff out of other stuff. Douglas Walker's career took off once he brought the brass section into his creations. There's a, a point, I think, about three, maybe five years into it when I went, I really have something here. This is the first water feature I ever made. Evolving from small, simple fountains to sophisticated water-driven mechanics, 
learning on the fly how to craft all these metal parts into an artistic masterpiece. I, I go to antique stores and the Value Village and stuff and I pick up brass and silver and I solder it together. And a lot of things aren't really meant to be soldered together. New ideas are arriving all the time, drawing inspiration from a weed and then breathing new life into old wind instruments. School bands have stuff in their storage closet, taking up space that they don't use anymore. Buying his materials from a network of suppliers, including a go-to repair shop in Wisconsin. I can call him up, say I need 10 trombones or I need three or four saxophones and he'll box them up and ship them to me. Walker has made close to 5,000 sculptures over the course of his 20-year career with sales and installations all over the world. I've gone from a craftsperson to what I would call a, someone working with, with fine art. This world in general just really inspires me. I'm, I'm so fortunate to be able to see it that way. Never short on creativity, coming up with some of the most unique designs to satisfy any collector. I don't have to sit and sketch and think and dream and stuff. I just have to sit down with a torch and make stuff, and ideas just happen. Jay Durant, Global News. Love to see a guy doing exactly what he loves doing. It's awesome. If you know someone like that, someone with a great story to tell or something unique to BC, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Do you think you can play any of those sculptures? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe. I don't we maybe. Try. Yeah, I'm sure it would be fun exactly. to try. Um, try staying dry tonight <laughs> and over the next little while. Uh, we got the SFU men's basketball tournament tomorrow, fundraiser for them, so let's hope it's clear. Yeah, good timing for that, but still this evening, a bit unsettled, still seeing the potential of the risk of thunderstorms, so do keep that in mind. But breaks tomorrow will rebound up to 20 degrees, and on Friday, plenty of sunshine. We're back up to 23. Sounds good. Thanks, Yvonne. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great night. Good night, all.